0: We're going live. It is uh, get it. We are a little bit late. Sorry folks. It's ten thirty-eight a.m. On the West Coast, it's 1.38 p.m. on the east coast. We had technical difficulties entirely my fault. What's happening, fellas?
1: It's happy working.
0: Yeah. So we got that going for us
1: which is nice.
0: It's value after hours. And I'm Tobias Carlo. I'm joined by Jake Taylor and Bill Brewster. As always, are we in a bear
2: market, fellas? Has it happened? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Diamond says expect volatility. No. So there you go. Expect volatility. Hey, Barcelona's
1: in the house. What's Nova the market Scotia. going to do, Mr. Morgan? It, it will fluctuate. Yeah.
2: Well, he says uh, he says that you know QT and uh, and and the lack of uh, QT is
1: that a new rapper I don't know about.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, it's one that we're all gonna find out about. So, okay, it's gonna be interesting to see. I think would have been nice if he released this from a timing standpoint six months ago. Would have been a little more helpful, Jamie. thanks, yeah, I s-
0: Jamie. I, s- I saw Morning Stars flip negative on uh, on Ark, so oh, that's, oh. that's helpful. Cool. Oh. Not at one hundred and fifty-six; they flip negative at sixty-six. Thanks, fellas. Oh, we've lost Bill.
1: Well, the the fun continues. Yeah, that's uh, that's not very helpful, is it?
0: I mean, that's- I. <sighs> It's a tough job, right? I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know why you were what, what the argument for being, you know, for being
2: long it would have been at one hundred and fifty six, other than uh, momentum. Other
1: than it's just been working like a charm for a while.
2: Yeah, yeah it's like J.P. Morgan flipped on uh, China ADRs at the ex- uh, what they said they're uninvestable at the exact bottom. <laughs>
1: You know, what's so yeah. funny about that is I was listening back, as I like to do through the uh, Berkshire annual meeting in 2004, someone asks Buffett about uh, China Petro that they, they purchased. And of course, his very rational answer was, at a certain price, you are being compensated for any extra risk that is there. And we felt like it was worth it. Uh, it's kind of like, okay, well, that was the answer all along if we wanted to just like dig for it. <laughs>
2: well Well, but that's not that's not a secret i think the more interesting question is will berkshire come out with any chinese adrs in the next 13f and if not why
1: Mm. i would be very surprised
2: as would i
0: what was the the china petro how, how was that the ticker it, was, it had a really odd ticker right it was like C-N-O-O-C
2: was the ticker that makes it
1: uninvestable
0: <laughs> well I just like I don't know what that was, was I can't don't know buy it's, five letters yeah that's 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 weird isn't it five can't letters buy five letters
2: <laughs> no all the good ones are four
1: or one letter that's the real
2: or two okay yeah there's four, a lot. four is NASDAQ I think
1: so a, there's
0: yeah. a lot of stuff going on fellas uh, we, we, we might have to jump into it a little bit here okay yeah, yeah. yeah so What's, what's, what's the most pressing thing? Elon buying Twitter. Is that, the,
2: is that the biggest flex we've seen so far? Yeah. It's the biggest news of the week, I think.
1: Adding what he... him as, uh, what, as a secondary, second-class citizen, board member. <laughs> I don't even know what that means.
0: Well, uh, what is man Is there something funny about the position, funny about the directorship?
2: I think he's, he's taking Jack's
0: name. seat. Oh, really?
2: -hmm. Still warm. (laughs) Nice to be done by somebody who cares about Twitter. Well, someone who uses certain Jack does. Yeah,
0: I saw a funny tweet where someone said, uh, "I wish that someone who I wish that the board, I wish that the directors actually used Twitter." And then the next thing was like, "Monkey's palm closes, monkey's finger goes down." Well, I mean, he's the best Twitter user I've seen. He's probably the biggest account. It makes sense that he's
2: that he's actually in there. He uses it. Yeah. Well, there's a number of things. Uh, One, it seems to me that guys that get in power want control of a media outlet, and he just bought his way onto the board of the most powerful media outlet in the world. Uh, So that makes sense. Um, Two, he probably got insurance from getting kicked off. Uh, And like three... I kind of wish that the people that worked at Twitter used Twitter. Forget the board. Those are some of my thoughts.
1: Uh, Is he going to get an edit button added? That's what everyone wants to know.
2: I hope not. Yeah, I I, I don't want an edit button either. How about? (laughs) It's it's just
0: too open to abuse. Unless there's some way of
2: tracking the edits. Well, and like, I, I don't know, the guy, uh I think it was, uh, he goes by Boz, what the hell is his name, Uh Bosworth, um, he, he was like, at Facebook, we did this, and you can see if a tweet has been edited or whatever. It's like, once something goes viral, if somebody edits it, then you're going to have to like click on it to see which version went viral. Like, no, just yeah. leave it to lazy for that. If people don't like it, just shut it, you know, delete your tweet uh i don't know i have gone back and forth on the edit button and i'm squarely against it now do you think it's a weird filing that it was a passive filing and then he's been added to the board and he's had to sign a
0: standstill and all these other things i don't know it was a little i mean, bit late too. yeah i mean that's the that's the most active passive filing i've ever seen yeah no kidding it is elon uh, he said that he'd been
2: that they said that they'd been talking to him before the filing yeah I mean, I assume a guy like that can get somebody on the phone when he wants. Did
1: you sell Elon his shares?
2: No, no, I've been out for for a bit, Um, but
1: that would have been kind of fun.
2: No, that would not have been. That would (laughs) I really would have been mad at myself. Uh. You know, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I I don't see how Elon on the board. Really does much to change Twitter, but you know maybe I'm wrong. The stock price seems to be reacting positively. I do kind of want to buy some Yolo calls in case it turns into meme stock.
0: Mm. Just on your comment before about guys getting powerful and then buying like a mouthpiece. In in some ways, this is sort of the reverse of what he's doing, right? He's trying to get well. We all think that like he ran the poll that said, um, "Do you think that the." Twitter has too many restrictions on free speech and it was like overwhelmingly 70% yes, 30% no. So if anything, what he's going in to do or the, the mandate that everybody seems to think that he has is to go in and take off all of those
2: fetters, right? Well, oh, it depends if you believe what you're seeing.
1: Care to unpack that conspiracy theory, sir?
2: No, I don't. look, I don't doubt that that's what his tweet said and that's what the poll said uh i'm you know i i don't know enough about him to know what he's thinking behind that tweet
1: i think people were imagining that that he
2: was going to be starting
1: his own competing network wasn't that sort of the
2: yeah i kind of me and um akram we akram's razor we were on a space on tuesday wondering if he was going to like buy Clubhouse and try to start something over that. Uh, turns out, I think he made the right decision. and Just bought you know, into Twitter. But I, I don't know. I just uh, when I, I just don't trust what I see. I don't know what else to tell you. Twitter seems to be like you're almost
0: buying it at a discount to what it would cost you to put it together, aren't you? Like it's, it's not so much the the coding it up, but getting everybody to use it. There are heaps of competing like social. Like Twitter kind of clones out there and that just, I, I don't know if they, we're just going to have this complete balkanization where everybody who's one political persuasion goes to one and everybody who's the other political persuasion goes to the other.
1: That should help us meet in the middle.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. I think it's all just going to stay on Twitter. Yeah, that, that, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Because there's just nobody on those other ones. I mean, yeah. I don't
2: know. No, you one know. There. Didn't True Social just shut down? I think it did. Which one was that? I thought that that was uh, the D-WAC. Well, maybe it wasn't the D-WAC one, but hang on.
1: Not good. Yeah, topics. Ex- not top not going ex- go there anymore.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess tr- Trump's true social still facing financial and technical wo- uh Technical woes looks like a bust so far. Uh, getter to G E T T R Getter. Yeah, it's hard to start up a network, man. It's not so easy. It's part of the problem with uh, super follows, especially if you're me and you have nothing really intelligent to say. (laughs) Uh, It's hard to drive a conversation to a secondary network. What what is a super follow? What's that do? Well, if I had like product knowledge or something, I would would maybe be dumping some knowledge behind a paywall. And then you have like a secondary Twitter feed. And
1: apparently some people are
2: smarter than me that uh, can maximize it.
1: You give us all the gems here for free.
2: I also don't have any gems, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, it seems like Twitter I don't I don't know how you fix Twitter, but it
0: seems like it does there's something wrong with it, right? But it's it's so much smaller than it, it's comically small relative to the other social networks. It's hard to use when you first get on it. But it's it's like once you use it, it's highly addictive and it's it functions as a it's the news feed. It's the way to communicate with people. You can find your little tribe.
1: 10x useful uh, yeah. LinkedIn for yeah. that type of networking. I mean...
0: Or Facebook or anything like that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's strange that they just can't figure it out. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem that hard. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> Other well, people have figured it out. I mean, I think they. I think they're in the process of figuring some of it out. But, you know, they got... Well, there's an evergreen think, statement. Well, I think they're subscale. Like I think their SGNA I mean, look, their revenues have gone from three billion in 2018 to five billion in 2021. That like that's a real company. Uh you know, whether or not it's a public stock you want to own is sort of a different conversation, right? But like I think if I created a business that had five billion in revenue, I'd yeah. probably be like, fuck you, what have you done? You go create something with five billion and tell me that I didn't figure something out.
1: How much well, does what's the revenue on Facebook right now per year?
2: Oh god. Uh I don't want to misquote it because I'll sound like an idiot. So hang on one second. But it's big. As are the margins. 117 billion. Yeah. So like 118.
1: So like they basically have Twitter's revenue and like I don't know. What is that? Three weeks or something?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, Facebook, Facebook's a different beast. It's funny how and much better. Even, Jack, I mean, they don't even monetize
0: WhatsApp. Jack's tweeting got so much better when he left Twitter. Like, what's that about? Are they fettered? There's some, there's some restraints when you're on the board. Maybe. I don't know. I don't
2: know. Why I you would guarantee to
1: you, it. Elon isn't going to use restraint. He's he's already got a Twitter yeah, sitter, hasn't he? He's already supposed to have that. That's not a thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I think. Uh, I don't know why Jack didn't use Twitter when he was on. He was on Twitter's board. That was uh, frustrating as someone who cares about how Twitter does.
0: Good comment here from Gaurav Sharma. Weibo, Twitter of China, is also in the same boat, indicating it's a universal problem. Yeah. What is the problem? It's too. It's too. I mean, the 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 reason why. Instagram and TikTok have exploded writers because they're they're much more visual. They're, they're just
2: all yeah. visual. Whereas well, Twitter, you got to read. So right right away, people are just like, ah, too hard. Instagram sells to your penis. That helps.
1: Let's <laughs> let's say limbic system.
2: Whatever uh, limbic system. Yeah,
1: <laughs> this is a uh, family program after all. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, oh wait, no, it's after hours. It's fine. I mean,
0: t-
2: Twitter could be doing the same thing though, couldn't it? I don't think so. You're just like selling to people's heads. Yeah, this is the the head nerds talking about. But you could
0: make it visual. You could make like you you could you could make your own account visual. Like you just attach a picture to every single one. Well,
1: it does seem like uh, if you add content like that, that those tweets tend to do better than just the word ones. Like I think they push those more behind the scenes.
2: Yeah, I mean the other thing is like Facebook was set up from the jump to collect information, and Twitter really wasn't. Uh, you it's know.
0: weird, right? Cause you're, t- you're talking the whole time. You're telling everybody what you feel, what you're thinking about what you're interested in all
2: the time. It should be pretty easy. Yeah. You would think on <laughs> the back end, that should be, I mean, it's easier than like trying to figure out what a picture means. Turns out they need credit card data and then third parties to tell them what you want rather than <laughs> just the interest graph that you've created for them.
1: The like billions of things that have been liked that should give you exactly pinpoint what you're into. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's not very hard to figure out what I like if you follow me. <laughs> yeah, you would think that would be classic
1: cars, stocks that go down. And that's right.
2: <laughs> golf, golf <laughs> and hip hop.
1: Yeah, that's that's that checks all the boxes.
2: Yeah, it's not. I mean, just start advertising to me. It's not very difficult. And weed. Oh, yeah. Which they can't advertise yet, but maybe someday.
0: Let's talk about some investing stuff just so we have some yeah. investing people here. So there's, i got a few things. Um uh, I had a look at the S and P 500 sectors. It's How's it doing? Uh, the, it's, <laughs> okay. it's ugly for the year. The only thing that you want to be in is energy is like rocket at everybody. Not great, Bob.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, utilities are like marginally positive on the, everything else looks, looks nasty, looks ugly, but you probably didn't need to be told that but the, um, it does make me like we we talk about this a little bit. This like whether we're, whether we're in a rolling bear market or not. Like I kind of think that we probably are. It's although it's crazy how you know have a two percent update like and right on the back of it have a two percent down day, which I guess that's like pretty classic bear market behavior. But like I, I really do think we're into this long rolling bear now, and we're gonna see these like lower lows, ho- lower highs, and so on. I don't, I don't know when it goes, but what do you what do you guys
2: think? It's really depressing, Toby. I'd rather not it think is, about yeah. that.
0: Let's see. Someone, someone commented <laughs> <Low tea. laughs> a,
2: few, a few months ago. We were bearish, beared up. I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's gotten just trash, though, and that's what's tough. Um, on the other hand, I don't know that there's a lot of, like, screaming bargains around. I think there's a lot of stuff that could work.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, do you get the sense like are people waiting around for better prices or is it?
0: Oh, I don't think so. No, I thought everybody thought like when we had the, the rally that we had the rally over the last like mid mid March to to uh, you know a week or so ago. I, got, I thought that I got the feeling that all the the SaaS tech stuff like all, everybody thought that was back for a little bit, and it's still it's it's kind of just bumped sideways like Arc bottomed out and then rallied a bit. Tesla's like rallied
2: a bit. Tesla's over a thousand. Oh, that's a good rally. Where did it bottom? Like 700 or something? I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, i am not not entirely
0: sure, but it's, it's like, it was 11 it's close to 1100 today and it was down like four or 5%
2: for the day. Yeah. I mean, that was down around seven. Yeah. 766. I don't know. So what roughly a $800 billion company those are big numbers i don't know
1: the market cap yes not any
2: (laughs) other numbers (laughs) yeah i mean i um i don't know things i i think uh i think they've gotten more rational but i also think uh how about uh, yeah i was only crying two weeks ago i
0: can't uh i can't get too so the inversion's uninverted again as of today it was inver- like, it got inverted over the weekend. Recession
1: canceled. Is <laughs> <laughs> that how that works?
0: Recession's over. Well, the, the you know, the, the 2019 inversion was very, very brief too. And then it's like six months later, the, 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 the recession is officially acknowledged, whatever that means.
2: Okay. So are it's- you saying that we're going to get another COVID?
0: <laughs> Mate, this thing is, it is amazing the, what the inversion can predict. The inversion yeah. predicted COVID. Yeah. Oh.
2: Sorry to Spotify for demonetizing us and Google. This is too. not.
0: I, I think that's okay now. I think that. I think that we're we're past all that. Okay. Are we even
2: on Spotify.
0: Yeah. 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 It's just distribute. It's probably. It's probably. We probably get most listens on Spotify or something oh. like that. I don't know. It might be Apple. I don't know.
1: Okay. Terrific.
0: <laughs> Hello. We're, we're just. I just print out the transcript and put it on a bulletin board down at the local yeah, library. Exactly. That's 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 the extent <laughs> yeah. of our
1: distribution. It's written on the bathroom wall at the YMCA.
2: <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah I, I mean i don't know i think um
1: well toby how does that work then for is it is it have to stay inverted for a while before that counts as a tripwire or is it just like at any point does that get the clock started on that six months
0: i don't know because the cam harvey version is the 10 10 year three month mm. and um it's been very predictive but somehow through all of that it's converted to it the 10 year two 10, year yeah i don't know why that I don't know why that is the the it doesn't really matter, I guess. They're just looking at the midpoint of the curve and the front end of the curve and and, and if that's inverted. I'm doing that. Oh, top gun inverted. Yeah, top gun. <laughs> if that's inverted, then that predicts that predicts and I, I guess there's a there's a reason for people people want to get paid to hold short term risk. And for some reason, they want to get paid more than ten-year risk. I guess no one thinks that the recession is going to last ten years.
2: I mean, the five years is most interesting to me because that's when you have a lot of corporate roles. Mm. Um,
1: Yeah, that's something that's kind of interesting right now. That was probably different than two thousand seven. That I guess probably if we asked Michael Burry, like, what's what's going to be the catalyst of this? You know, he would have told you in two thousand seven we know all of these mortgages are resetting then structurally and that like the, the, the jig is up then. Right. And so he knew he had a timeline, but like, what's the timeline for, for today? Like, I don't even know if that is that, is it corporate rollovers? Like you said, Bill?
2: Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I think, uh, I think if you think there's a lot of debt in the corporate sector, anything between two and five years is probably when a lot of it's rolling. You don't get a lot of corporate paper. That's doesn't get rolled within five
0: years. You, you, they roll it. Be, they, they just they roll it at any time that they
2: can, don't they? Any any time they get a good number, they'll roll it. Yeah, but like the bank market, most of your term like most of the terms that we wrote, were five years. Okay, they term it up. So you're having a, a conversation every five years, and it's not fully amortizing over that five years, right? So there's always you're always refining somewhere within those five years. Mm. Usually, you know, year four, right? Because you have fees every time you do it, so. Bankers start pitching on day one and companies start <laughs> refining on, on year, <laughs> yeah. year
1: four.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I I'm I don't know what the I don't know what the catalyst is going to be, but I'm, it'll be it'll only be obvious in hindsight. We'll look back and say, Oh yeah, of course. Predicting them is is harder.
2: I mean, yeah. I I think uh I think this earnings season is not going to have a lot of exciting commentary out of it. If I were to predict that, I, I think like people are, you know, restoration hardware. Uh, I mean, I've talked about it a lot. I don't know if we talked, I don't think we talked about it here, but that was an interest, like a very, very interesting call. And, um, you know, I don't know how to feel about that guy, but I, one of the feelings that I don't have is I don't think that he was um, putting on an act in that call. And can, I you also just, don't, can you just, just to it? yeah, yeah, yeah I get to it. I get to it. Uh, let me wind up, Toby. That's how I do it.
0: It's going to be some, just like the commentaries before you get to the, give us the news, then the commentary.
1: Yeah. Uh, marry, no, I like later. to
2: wind up. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he said he's, you know, confident but nervous. Um, and it had a lot of Mac, <laughs> it had, a, well, he, what he's saying is like anything that hits the industry is going to hit us as well. But we will outperform the industry. Um, now, you know, I don't know. There's, he said a lot of stuff that I, I think everybody should listen to it. I think they should listen to it in 1X. It's either entertaining or informative or both. Um, but he was really candid about a lot of the problems that he's seeing. And he's just like, look, supply chains aren't getting any better. Inflation is going to go up. Like, like he said, uh, he was going off on Janet Yellen, uh, but he was like, I don't know anyone. why Yellen particularly. I don't know. I just think he was like, Not it. What's she Treasury Secretary rather than she's not fit? It's yeah. I just think he was like, She doesn't think that uh, inflation's higher than 2%. Call any business person, they'll tell you it is. Oh, like, yeah. You know, so um, he's he had one that line, ivory
1: tower once in a while and see what's going on in the real world.
2: Yeah. He said, You know, either businesses are going to make a lot less or they're going to charge a lot more and it's going on everywhere. And I think he's pretty true. Well, she, She's in the administration, right. so you're never going to admit to
0: inflation if you're in the administration. You're never going to admit to inflation if you're in the Fed. We talked about that last week, just like <laughs> stock markets at all-time highs, property markets white hot, consumer price indexes at like 7.9% year on year, still can't find it. Looking really hard, got our best <laughs> men on it.
2: 2%, we're hoping to hit 2%. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so here's something that I think yeah. we've talked about a lot and, and I'm, I'm just interested. I, I don't really have a strong opinion either way. But there's a lot of these you know a lot of growth companies have gotten these huge valuations um relative to current size It's going to be interesting as always, and I've said this and been way wrong for a long time but you know what lessons have people learned, and are they the right ones I think is uh is going to be interesting because there's a lot of signal and you know you so you look at direct to consumer uh what's going on in streaming and A lot of the reason that all these platforms are releasing their own streaming service now is they saw the multiple that Netflix got and they said, okay, well, now I can do this. You know, where else is that going on? Do these multiples stick? Does it actually make sense? Are certain investors that we are looking at really smart or did they buy the right factor at the right time? I mean, a lot of that stuff we'll figure out. I don't uh, need to figure out myself. I am not smart
1: got it nailed so, down already
2: that's right Gore Sharma
0: just took it yeah so i i i th- I thought that he was a little bit pa- he sounded not not panicked, but you know concerned I, I don't know if i i i I'm glad that he qualified it with confident and but hes this is from Gorov. He said container costs are up three times, actual inflation's double digit,
2: profit margins are all time highs, stimulus going away, fed raising rates. I don't think he said containers are up three times. I think what he said is the last time that we re-upped our containers, it doubled. And I'm not going to tell you what tell it did you, this yeah. time, <laughs> but it, it made that look good. Okay. I, I mean, it was, it was a good listen.
1: Yeah. And See, that's, you know, I that's it was like pretty a earnest myself. Yeah. Right. He's got a pretty good keyhole into the economy. Right.
2: Yeah. You know, I have questions on the entire value proposition of the he's got a general but he's probably got
0: a funny comp though doesn't he because they would have gone with everybody bunkering down for covid probably everybody was like fitting out their house with all the money they would have spent on a vacation and so they probably spent a little bit of that restoration hardware and so they had a good year and now they're gonna have a less good year
2: yeah i mean you know that that's slightly offset by the G650 that you can lease to go to their new <laughs> luxury hotel called Guest yeah. House. And then if you want to go about? to Paris and is have this... caviar and champagne on the roof and look at the Eiffel Tower, you can do that. And if you want the RH3 yacht, you can do that. Uh, I don't know. This is part of what I don't like about them. <laughs> I is it trying understand. to make it a luxury experience? Yes. Yeah. He's trying to make it like a luxury lifestyle brand. And, you know, anytime you say, well, now we're tapping into the 200 billion TAM of the uh, travel market. It's like, oh, give me a fucking break. You're a furniture company and your furniture is not that good anyway. But it is expensive. <laughs> that's the most important part. Yeah. yeah.
1: It is a good nice margins. long inequality play. <laughs> it is weird. I saw some
0: figures again today that like the homes built by decade over the last, this thing goes back to like 1930, but that's less relevant last Three decades, excluding the 2010s, we've built like 20. I
2: think that's fake news. Million plus
0: houses. You think that's I fake saw it too? I think it's fake news. Well, what they were claiming was that the last three decades they had built, excluding the most recent decade, 20 plus million houses, and then the last decade they built like six, five point eight, or something like that.
2: Yeah, that, I don't think. Why do you think that is? Well, I don't do think, think those that numbers are wrong. Just data that is that, correct. The numbers are wrong. Would okay. be the start
1: get mike mitchell on auto call right here get this cleared up batch signal
0: it is weird it is weird that i I don't know possibly we were overbuilt you know there was a big housing boom in 2005 six seven i guess maybe that overbuilt and so i don't know maybe there were lots lots of stuff sitting empty but now it seems to be that it seems to be mostly owned by um investors right
2: now the investors is is kind of not a huge also, is, yeah does this, does I, I think there's a lot of narratives that are going on that are not reality. So like home starts from 1968 to 92 look like they averaged like one and a half million, and they had big peaks where you would have like a year of two and a half million, um, and then troughs of a million. But objectively, uh, from you know the the peak to the trough after the housing crash, I mean, we did underbuild, um, just not to that extent. Not, yeah, not I that, think like, I think it's overstated. Yeah, I think those I think that data overstated the problem. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the, the the investors
0: the investor number that I saw was that it had gone from something like investors were about twenty percent of the market to they were like thirty one or two or 3% of the market. And at the margin, like that's a pretty big change. That's, that's, um, that's a material like increase in the the amount the investors are holding. I don't know if that's lit, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a
2: true fact or not. Well, I think, I think that some of what happened was a lot of private equity came in and built out like multifamily. So if you look at units, I, that may be some of it. I think mom and pop saved up in housing, um, I don't think it's all like Blackstone. I guess is what I'm saying. But then again, private equity sort of is Blackstone. Mate, Gaurav Sharma is uh, is crushing it. Research
0: assistant. He's got container prices average thirteen fifty in early two thousand nineteen. Now sit at nine thousand four hundred. And then he's come in with another fact here: thirty percent of new demand is from investors. Investors
2: only own three percent of total housing stock. Bang. There you go. Thank yeah. you to you. You're hired. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we will pay you what we get paid, yeah. which is absolutely nothing. What means
1: we'll be sending you a bill. Exposure. You get exposure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I
2: thought
0: uh, that was uh anyway. I don't know what I don't know what any of that means. I own some housing stocks, but they're not doing
2: very well. Well, you know, we need completions. Uh there's just no inventory, there's no inventory anywhere. So uh, it's you know I listen to Logan a lot because I think he's been the most correct. Logan Mahat, I'm gonna mess it up, but uh, check it out. He was on my podcast. Um, Mahat Mahat. Anyway, Um, the uh, I feel horrible. Come on, Whitey, sound it it. out. (laughs) (laughs) You know I the uh, I got another uh, this sponsorship and I think it's Bastier. And I said, like, Bastiat, like a freaking (laughs) hick, you know, like, hey, Bastiat and my man Logan. Anyway, I I used to go to I had a Spanish at Auburn, you know, it was hilarious listening to Alabama kids speak Spanish. They'd be like, soy de and It's like, yeah, that's not the accent. Anyway, I digress. Uh, his, His point on rates is like nothing is slowing housing. So. Rates going up is maybe the only thing that's going to make inventories come into equilibrium because there's just no freaking inventory anywhere. It's just wild. Yeah. I saw a stat yesterday that said that
0: the um, what what whatever it's called, like you enter into a contract and it's kind of in it's pending, whatever that escrow. before you complete escrow. Yeah, it's got a it's got a name in the statistics anyway, and they had um, uh. Like they're seventy percent higher than the number of houses that are available for sale, which is like that. That's that's inverted. It's ordinarily the other way around. It's more houses for sale than there are sitting in escrow, I guess, or pending, pending, whatever, whatever searches or whatever's going on there. And that has to uninvert before there's any sort of relief in housing. But I saw another thing. The Zillow guy came out. The Zillow's got a a state of the market kind of research report that said that. Um, the increase in rates is biting a little bit yeah. the, which, which makes some sense like you, you might see some cooling and there have been they've seen fewer searches fewer applications for mortgages as this year relative to last year like a pretty material change in it and it might be that the fact that interest rates like on any given day they go, seem to be going up like half a percent a day
2: <laughs> Yeah, I think um Housing Wire every Monday, Logan's on their podcast. Um and I I think uh one of the things he said recently is builders last I think it was uh when was the last builder cycle like 17, I think it was. Maybe it was 15. I don't know, but when mortgages hit 5%, uh that becomes an issue for the building completions.
0: What are we at now like we we we're, we're, we're pushing well, up was, against 5%,
2: 4.68, yeah. but
0: like the, the move has been like it's half a point a day sometimes. So, like, that could be wrong
2: next week. Could be over 5% next week. Yeah. You know, there's still, though, like, if you talk to buyer's agents, there's still a lot of demand out there to buy the house. So, I don't think, um, I think this is probably good. I don't think you want like a real runaway housing market. And I think it's already run. What happens
0: if, you know, rates go up, but so in order to move, you got to refi at a higher rate, right? Like, no, no one's going to do that. You just got to like the house you own.
1: Yeah, it's, that's kind of can be crippling for mobility.
0: I mean, we've yeah. already seen like there's there are many many fewer houses available for sale now than there were even ten years ago. It's like it's like ten percent or something. That's like, the lowest on on record.
1: Yeah, you better love where you're living. Are now. you saying
2: currently? Yeah. Yeah, but I I think. If you look at the number that turn each year, the number that turn are higher. So it's really that the days on market are super short. Is that right? Because I think I I, believe so.
0: That's interesting if that's if that's the case. I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was I don't know that
2: it's going to be the case going forward with rates higher, but last year I think that's what was going on. Was they were just hitting and gone.
0: It seems like when I look at that when I look at that the number of the days on market or the number of things get turned. It seems to. There's more activity at the top of the market, and at the bottom of the market, like nothing happens. It's like the stock market; all the liquidity goes away at the bottom. There's all liquidities liquidity there at the top.
1: I, no, I think volume is the other way around in the stock market. Like all the volumes at the bottom, negative goes further. Yeah, no, so I no, think it is, no,
2: we'll look it up later. And uh, I mean. Tweet about yes. So, 2017, five and a half million uh, homes were sold. 2018, five three four. 2019, five three four. 2020, five six four. So, I think. What, what are think, those numbers, sorry Those are those are sales. 2021, according to st- uh, Statista, is six point one million. So, I think it's so just the things are, are more turning sales. quick. I see. Okay. Yeah. Cool. There's just no inventory. Yeah. They put so is in that in like a supply hardware. issue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a supply issue, that's good for housing stocks. Nobody thinks it's good, which is potentially where some money can be made, right? Used to be that divergent opinions paid you. <laughs> <laughs> they may again.
0: I mean, the, 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 definitely having a divergent opinion on energy has got you paid over the last twelve yeah. months
1: fair enough you guys want to transition to some yeah. some divergent
2: top. opinion shorting tech also got you paid yep
1: Eventually, but it was a rough ride on the way up, up. yeah <laughs> you <went> <laughs> up. you're gonna to want to time that one well <laughs> let's, yeah let's, right. do, let's do the veggies all right this one's hopefully a little bit more fun than the normal veggies uh almost can hardly call it veggies but as you guys know i have a a couple of boys that are very into baseball. And so I spend, they're on travel comp teams. And so I spend most evenings and all the weekends pretty much at the baseball field. And, uh, you know, let's me think about all of the uh, like, well, wow, what are the crazy analogies that I can pull from while I'm sitting around here, coaching for space. And uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I recently read actually read instead of just like, you know, talking about reading it uh, the science of hitting by Ted Williams. And a lot of people are familiar with that because Buffett's talked about it and he's talked about the, you know, waiting for the fat pitch. And uh, by the way, shout out to Alex for picking such a great name, The Science of Hitting. Uh, I think that's, that was a home run choice there. <laughs> um, so as, as I think everyone kind of knows that like the chart looks like this a box in front of a batter that shows 77 ball-sized cells that fit within the strike zone. And Ted Williams figured out what his batting average was for where a ball was pitched. And if he, if he hit it, he swung at it there. Right. And so um, he realized that for him to the, the pitches that were middle and in on the plate for him were what he called his happy zone. That was where he made the best contact and he had the highest batting average. And he, so he had, you know, cells that were like at 400, but the pitches that were down and away for him, he batted like 230. And so therefore to have a good batting average, he had to choose carefully, which, which pitches he decided to swing at. And so Buffett took that and made an analogy of investing and that there's no called third strike and that, you know, he's looking for pitches that are, you know, fat pitches in his happy zone. Um, And, and he, he really correlated it to like the circle of competence, like, right. Like the pitch that's right in your spot is your circle of competence. So, um, But it turns out that there's actually a lot more in the book than just that, that graphic that is sort of like famous from it. And what's interesting is that like Williams was just a total fanatic about batting. Like he thought about every single little detail that he, that you could even imagine. And I love to read those kind of books about people who are just maniacs about a particular subject. Uh, And just to see like the, how deep that they will go into something. Um, So for instance, Like he knew that the batter's box at Fenway was like just a little bit off, off tilted so that like the back of it was a little bit lower. And he felt like he always hit well there because he could like drive off of that little bit of an incline. And conversely that he knew that at Kansas city, it was like a little bit the other way. So he felt like he was always batting uphill and he told the groundskeeper about that. Like, Hey, I don't think your batter's box is flat. And the groundskeeper then like, well, okay, it's supposed to be flat. He fixes it. And then uh, Williams hits two home runs that day and like the groundskeeper (laughs) almost gets fired for, (laughs) for making that adjustment. Um, So, and like, he didn't want to ever use a bat that was had any chips in it or that was discolored because he felt like even that would potentially distract him from like concentrating on swinging and hitting. Um, He took his bats down to the post office to weigh them exactly because like bats would be, you know, they show up and they'd be like, you know, whether it was a little different type of wood or where the cut came from in the tree, it would just, it would be different weights and he wanted it to be exact. Uh, Another thing that was interesting was that he, he talks about how if he, if he added basically like two inches around the outside of the strike zone. So let's say that you're kind of swinging at a pitch that's just a little bit outside of the strike zone, kind of a pitcher's pitch. You, you increase the target area total then of what you're sort of responsible for as the strike zone from 4.2 square feet to 5.8 square feet, which is 37% increase then of like kind of plate that you have to cover. That's a big difference, right? Like to, to think that you're going to be able to get out uh, or to make a good swing on 37% more coverage is is quite a bit to overcome. All right. So um, another thing is that he was kind of famous for using a very light bat and he used a, a 35 inch bat with a 33 ounce weight, which would then be a drop two. that's like in baseball parlance. Um, And he used a light bat because he believed that like quickness of the bat was, was super important because it allowed you to see the pitch for longer and then decide, you know, is it going to end up in the place that you want to take a swing at? So a big heavy bat, like Babe Ruth swung this, but you know, just like absolute, I think it was a 54 ounce bat at some, sometimes, which is like, ridiculous but you have to really get going to swing that bat and so like you're committed you can't see the pitch as long to then decide is this the pitch that you want to swing at so uh, i think there's a little bit of an analogy there with with buffett and you know kind of being able to like he will wait until the last like he's not going to go chasing he doesn't participate in auctions he's going to wait and then he's going to have a really quick bat when it does show up in his zone, right? He can make a decision in five minutes, whether he wants to buy uh, you know, do an acquisition. Um, a lot of, of hitting is about anticipating what the pitcher is going to do. And he's, I think there's an analogy for us there where, you know, Williams wanted to make sure that he got a fastball to hit and he would take until he got the fastball that he wanted. And we similarly, uh, have to anticipate what the Mr. Market might throw at us right so we kind of have to always have an inventory of potential ideas that we would want to swing at so that then when they do show up we're ready to take our good swing you know and catch that ball right where we want it uh, but if you're waiting until Mr. Market throws something and then you're like oh okay maybe I should look into this one and research it well you're kind of already behind uh, you know and you're not going to be starting your swing soon enough it's going to be the ball's going to get on you a little faster than it probably should and um, you You just can't expect as good a result um, so another thing that is is uh that uh Williams talked about was like maximizing the amount of time that the bat is going through the zone and swinging on plane with from where the ball is coming in, so that you have the best chance of getting good clean contact and you know I think the analogy for us there is that. You know it's going to be really hard to bottom tick your purchases, right? Or top tick your sells. But if you can kind of have your bat in the zone for a long time, which might be sort of like dollar cost averaging into a name and maybe trimming out of a name, you know that that maybe that gives you the best chance at making a good contact with an idea. Um, it, I, you know, the uh, the next thing we'll we'll try to transition. I'm going to add a little bit more to uh, the science of hitting the book and talk about, uh, Joey Votto, who is kind of the closest thing that we have to Ted Williams today. He's a, a left-handed hittering first baseman for the reds. And, uh, he, his Bible actually is the science of hitting. Like he talks about it all the time, but just should probably be no surprise. Um, but in 2016, and by the way, like some of these numbers, I I'm going to talk about right now. I got from my, uh, a, a YouTuber that my son likes to watch this guy called foolish baseball, who just like dives into all these crazy numbers and talks about different players. Uh, so this one is about in 2016, Joey Votto hit over 400 for a half of a season, which is the closest that anyone's kind of really gotten to hitting 400 since Ted Williams did it. Um, I better than Ichiro. Uh, well, I mean, other guys have done. Yeah. Other guys have had that, but like Ichiro I think was, this is the most recent time that someone's gotten hit that well for that long. All right. Um,
2: I'd have to call fake news.
1: Maybe. All right. Don't let's not ruin the story with facts Bill. Um, so <clears throat> foolish baseball is talking about how like Votto, there's like three things that are important to this equation. Number one is avoiding strikeouts, right? So we can already imagine what the, the uh, investment implications of that are, right? Like taking zeros really painful, hard to overcome. Uh, number two is, Is called BABIP, which is batting average on balls in play. So if you actually make contact with the ball and hit it somewhere between the lines of in fair ball, what is your batting average when it it is put in play? And it turns out that, um, you know, the typical batting average on a ball in play is, is about 300 and anywhere from 250 to 350 around is like what you could sort of expect on a, a ball that you put in play. Anything lower or higher than that is probably a fair amount of luck, either bad luck if you're below 250 or overly good luck if you're above 350. So, uh, and where the ball, like the, how the ball exits is a big deal on your BABIP. So a ground ball that you hit in play has a batting average, expected batting average in the majors of, Uh, 2.39 so 239 batting average on a ground ball that you hit a line drive has a batting average of 685 so it's it's quite a bit higher if you can hit line drives and a fly ball has a batting average of 207 which is is like obviously not that great but the part that you you have to kind of factor in in today's game is that the fly balls often turn into home runs right and that's like That helps this idea of like slugging percentage that some investors have talked about. Like they don't care what their batting average is, they care what their slugging percentage is. Right. And they famously cite like George Soros, where he would he was wrong like probably 70% of the time, but when he was right, he was very, very right and he bet big and he had a huge slugging percentage that overcame that. Well, I would argue that it's really, really hard to have a, a high slugging percentage. Um, and like to be very, very right and hit home runs like that, uh, and only 12.7% of fly balls that are hit turn into home runs. And I don't know what the exact investment, you know, numbers are. It probably depends on whether we're talking about VC, which is like, I don't know, maybe one in a hundred turn into a fly ball that turns into a home run. Uh, or, you know, maybe in public markets, it's a little bit higher. Some of the, those numbers, but, um, I would say that, uh, We should probably be, at least for me, like my takeaway for this is that like, I want to hit investment line drives that have a high batting average that are going to get on base a lot and, and, and are unlikely maybe to have as many fly balls that turn into home runs. And that's okay. Like, I'm just going to take the home run and the fly ball out of the equation. And I'm going to hopefully take like the weak ground ball contact out of the equation and just try to hit line drives and look for pitches that are that line drive swing that I could take, um, and maybe it's different for everybody because we all have our own kind of circle of competence, but in my mind, that's like the, the model that I want to use. Um, one of the things that's really important too is like this idea of walk rate and, you know, uh, Joey Votto has the highest on base percentage, um, and and the highest walk rate of any active player. It's like 16% of his at bats. He gets a walk. And Ted Williams has the highest of all time, which was 20.6. So like one in five at bats, Ted Williams was getting a walk. And why that's so important is that you're taking then those bad outcomes of like a, a batting, you know, a ball in play that's not hit real well. Um, and so like, this is how you get your average up is you don't swing at bad pitches, right? And and therefore you're going to end up walking a lot. And I think there's sort of implications for us as investors in sort of like cash management. Like you're going to end up walking a lot if you're only waiting to swing at good pitches. And I, I would say like looking at you know, Berkshire's cash balances over the years, you could say, shoot like that guy's walking a lot right like there's always tons of cash on the balance sheet but then when he does swing like it tends to you know I think he's hitting a lot of line drives um so the other thing too is like that that walk rate versus versus uh strikeouts right so uh Ted Williams had probably the best season ever for anybody in 1941 uh 147 walks to only 27 strikeouts I mean that's that's an absolutely insane season uh so anyway, like I think there's just a lot of uh, interesting analogies, or at least I like it because I'm kind of a baseball fanatic because my kids are so into it. That um, I think that we might be able to take away in the investment front uh, that might help us to to hone in on like, you know, when when you swing at a pitch, what are you trying to do with it? Are you trying to hit a fly ball, home run, or or are you trying to? hit uh, a line drive or is it ground balls or are you trying to bunch your way on? I mean, there's lots of different analogies that we can use, but uh, know what you're doing, know what pitch you're looking for and know what swing you're trying to take on it.
0: Um, the pitchers walk guys that they don't want to, sw- they do they, they intentionally walk guys all the time, run. Right?
1: Yeah. And b- maybe even more, they pitch around guys. Like they'll pitch. No, it's a semi-intentional walk. Like you just won't see a strike in the strike zone. Like if you swing at something, it's going to be the pitcher's pitch because he's not giving you anything to hit.
0: Right. I saw I, there was a, a girl in in the uh, softball who was going for the the record for the season, the home run record for the season, and and she was they like just walked her. Yeah, they walked her. I they
1: mean Barry checked. Bonds, 2004 season. He had like, I can't remember what it was, but I think it was over 200 intentional walk. I don't know. Maybe that's not right. But whatever the number was, it was just like the second place person, if I remember right, was like not even in the same galaxy as far as a number of intentional walks. They just were like, we can't pitch this guy. He's hitting a home run every time he's up.
2: He was too. Barry Bonds career OPS is over one. That's that's pretty. So that means like every time he got to the plate, you could expect him to get at least one base. That's yes. crazy. And somehow the guy's not in the hall of fame because we all get upset about steroids, even though we all knew what was going on. Okay. <laughs> so I stupid.
1: I saw something that, uh, his 2004 season, his, uh, if, if a player went and got a single and a home run, every single game that they played, it would have been a comparable OPS to what he had for that. That 2004 season,
2: just yeah, dude, he was insanity. nuts. I didn't realize Vado's OPS is over 900. My man Ichiro's was 770 uh, something. So more hits, less power.
1: Yeah, Vado's legit. I mean, he's uh, he's. Both will get to the hall, though. Yeah, I think that's right.
2: I'm getting a
0: few requests to turn this into a to make an analogy for the cricket. Sorry, dudes, I don't know enough about baseball to turn this into a cricket discussion. <laughs> I saw someone mention the scoop bats from the 80s. Yeah, I remember that had the gray nickels double scoop. Didn't help.
2: No idea what you're talking How does cricket still exist? We're having enough problems with baseball being too long. Cricket can go like a day. Cricket goes for five. A test match goes for five days. It's insane.
0: (laughs) How (laughs) many hours per day are are they doing it? Uh, Like the first ball might be at like nine, and that might play until it's dark. Like it could be five or six.
1: What? Oh, my God.
0: It's like a war of attrition, you know? Yeah. Because
1: you just like lose interest as a player or is it? <laughs> you got to like cricket, cricket's
0: like, it's a beautiful blue sky. It's a nice green lawn. Players are in whites and a red, cherry red ball. You know, it's very uh, soothing to watch it. It's very calming. And there's, you know, it's more, it's, it's strategic. It's there's, there's a st- strategy element to it and you can retire people hurt. So you get, you get, the super quick bowlers, the express guys, and you know they they doctor pitches too. So if you know that if, or
1: something? What's if, the- if, you, if
0: you have a if you have a if you're the home groundskeeper and you know that you've got some quick bowlers who can do a lot of damage, they'll make it a very dry pitch that crumbles, so that the ball bounces really high and bounces all over the place. Mm. And you know, reverse that if you if you've got some spinners, it'll be <laughs> spinners will be like a very sticky wicket. It's I, I, you know. <laughs> It, it's An old it, sticky wicket. The
1: only uh, sticky wicket on a spinner.
0: <laughs> it's what it is. It might be one of the most popular games in the world. So. Nice. Fair Thank God for the Indians. They're keeping it alive.
2: Yeah, I think you know. The only thing is, uh, you gotta you gotta be okay, just not swinging. Yes.
0: This is true for cricket too. That is yeah. it's very true for cricket. Same, same idea. You just don't want to hit the bad. Hit the, hit the, uh, the guy's trying to trick you all the time into taking a swing at something you shouldn't be swinging at. So yeah. you know One thing right?
1: that, uh, that I just realized Williams would always take strike one to get his timing, which is almost like Buffett's equivalent of like, never buy an IPO. <laughs> Wait to see what it does for a while before you, uh, before you take a swing at it.
0: They bought snow at the IPO, didn't they? That
1: wasn't Maybe Buffett.
2: Buffett. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I, you know, I think, uh, you know, part of my indexing uh, fetish is part of it is uh, the divergence of performance, both positively and negatively. Um, I'm not sure that I deal with that very well.
0: Hmm. Nobody does. Um,
2: So you don't um, deal with it positively.
0: I've never, I've never experienced it positively, so I can't comment on that but The Someday. negative stuff.
1: <laughs> we will find I've out been, what you're uh, made of.
0: <laughs> I've, been any, I've only been a value investor for about 14, 15 years, so it's, it's too short a time period to comment on the positive side.
2: It's coming yeah, out. Right. Uh, I think it's a skill to be ahead and, and keep discipline.
1: Yeah, be a, I think, be a good winner.
0: Greenblatt's, Greenblatt's got the, the kind of... I like Greenblatt's kind of quantity approach. I saw he was on William yeah. Green did a podcast. Yeah, that was a good interview.
1: Was it? Have I haven't checked that. One? Yeah,
0: it was. It was very good. And he got asked about um, mine, the acquirer's multiple, and he just said that we didn't back test it to try and figure out which was. We ran one one back test, which I thought was. I, I kind of knew that that was the case. It was a good answer. I, I, I don't have any criticism of the
2: way that he ah, put together. He actually Cheers. said, "I don't know that you can say, but I can say. I think I can say." He actually said. Uh, a deep value strategy has higher expected return, but is more cyclical.
0: Yeah. More volatile. I think it's, yeah. Yeah, but possibly that's right.
2: Yeah.
0: Look, it's, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We'd have to go back and run Check it. Check out the podcast.
2: Little, you hear what he said? Don't
0: quote us. It's investors podcast uh, with, with William Green. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, it's, uh, I, I, I can't be too critical of what he's done. Like I like, I like his approach to it. I just, you know, and I, I don't, I don't, I didn't backtest mine. I mean, I didn't like uh, data mine mine to get the answer. I just, just was wondering about the the impact of like blindly buying high return on equity. But I do think that there's a lot to be said if you can, if you can find some defensible high returns on equity assets, capital, whatever, and buy them reasonably cheaply. Like clearly, that's the best way to
2: do it. It's just a little bit harder to do than to say. Yeah. And valuing the options. Right. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that have a lot of option value, but then you look at the enterprise value and it's like, well, you know, they better have option value (laughs) because you're not paying for the current enterprise. It's all Um, on the cup. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, that, that can work, but I do think that, um, like the question that I've asked myself on those kind of ideas is how much can you really size them? Um, because I think if you have a portfolio of those, you—I I don't know. I mean, it, it it can work, but I think I think they're correlated. I know they're correlated in the short term. I'm certain of that. Uh, so you got to have an investor base that'll let you get through that. Then you got to have an emotional makeup that'll get you through that. And then you got to be right. So I mean, I think well, this is
1: like the this is trying to hit a fly ball. Let's say you're going to only be evaluated on ten at bats, right? Like you only take 10 swings like so a super high concentration portfolio and you're trying to hit a home run with those 10 you're like chances are you might hit a lot of fly balls as well and get and just turn into outs so i don't sometimes i think that like really high variance plus high concentration might be might be a little bit of a dangerous game to play yes it can work
0: and you could be in a cohort of people who do that and somebody in that cohort does really well but i i don't want to be the guy that misses out i want to be I want to capture as much of it as I can. That's one of the things that I I know. I've done some testing where I just like you hold it for as long as as from when the screen identifies it to today, which could be like, you know, two plus decades. And it's very, very hard to predict from the outset which ones it's going to be. But I think it's a pretty good argument for having smaller position sizes if you're going to hold for a long time. Because the ones that work go up. 50 times and so it doesn't matter if you start out with one or two percent and like that kind of carries the whole portfolio and you end up at the end of the whole thing with this portfolio that's like filled up with all of the stuff that's worked is the stuff that's the largest in your portfolio you look like a genius
2: even though it's just all you know pure randomness yeah that's more or less what happened to my grandma what was she concentrated right. in yeah that's or what she concentrated? I mean now I am because she gave it to me but like my biggest position is Microsoft by far congrats good call I uh, heard you know what a cost basis is a dollar thirty eight. Pre split. Yeah. Her uh her cost basis in I think her cost basis in Coca Cola is like ninety seven cents. Um her cost basis in Berkshire is super low. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um but you know, she's ninety three, so that's that's what will happen.
1: She got any hot tips for today?
2: Well, her situation <laughs> let's, let's ride different. that hot hand. Yeah, Baba. I don't know. Baba yeah.
1: she likes Baba.
2: <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my man. Uh, I'm not saying this is a hot tip, but Kyle Sermonara, who just got somewhat blessed by uh, Peter Lynch. I would be pretty proud if Peter Lynch yeah, took cool. a 5% position in my my company. I think that's pretty cool, even if it is a small percentage of his net worth.
0: That's. Uh, we're coming up on time. So thanks very much, everybody. We made it. We did it. <laughs> uh, we'll be around next week. Are you are you are you off next week, Bill? Yeah,
2: I am. Yeah, so I think I'll be it'll in Hawaii.
0: Be, it'll yeah, be Ian Castle um, next week. Nice, Ian. filling in for Bill.
2: So we'll do some. Uh, he's got a fruitful riff. basket right now that he's picking through. Small caps got crushed. Yeah, small caps have been dinged up over the last twelve months. Yeah, rough run. <laughs>
1: this game's hard. <laughs> Forward hard returns
2: dirt. are good. Forward returns looking good. <laughs> That's right. Kathy forty Wood, gonna go percent? to small cap. Oh. Uh, I did. Thanks
0: very much.